you think cordial's still a thing? What was your yeah. favorite cordial flavor? Um, probably like lemon. Lemon. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Josephine. How are you today? I'm pretty good. How are you? I am well. Your hair looks great. Oh, thank you. That's all I wanted. Yeah. Can everyone please just... I'm afraid that it's an audio um, medium, but your hair looks great. Just know that it looks great. Yeah. The colour's good, isn't it? It's great. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had a good day? Yeah, it's been fine. More, More... COVID, lockdown, whatever. Yeah, whatever's going on is going on. Yeah. How are you out there, dear listener? I hope that I hope that this is like a year in the future that you're listening to this and COVID isn't a thing anymore. Yeah, and you're like, and oh, that that's you're, right. Oh, I'm seeing so many shows this week. That's what oh, I really hope is happening imagine. right now. Yeah. When was – can we talk about when the last time – when did you last see a show? I saw a show the week that everything shut down, oh. luckily. Um, I saw War Horse yeah. uh, at, in Sydney. And it was like so. What's that March? Yeah, it was like mid March. It was would have been like tenth or something. About the tenth. Right? Yeah, that sounds about right. What's what's we're in? What are we in? We're in August. It's, it's yeah, it'll be August. It's a long time. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, it is a lot. It's a hugely long time. But yes, I w- I feel very lucky that I was I was saw something that week. Yeah. Yeah, we saw Mamma Mia together the week before. Yeah, I that think, was the week before. Or a couple of that. weeks before. Yeah. Yes, you're yeah. right. So that that would that was possibly your last show. Yeah, it was. Yeah. What a way to go out. <laughs> I don't want that to be my last show, everyone. Ever. <laughs> Please. Oh. oh, God. Well, let's talk about musicals instead. Ruth, do you have any apologies? Oh, sorry. Hello. Um, This is my favourite musical, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ruth. That's Josephine. Yep. Now, here we go. Ruth, do you have any apologies? Well, sort of an apology. One of our friends messaged me and said that when we talked about trunk songs in the Gypsy episode, oh, yeah? that we didn't say what a trunk song was. Well. Yeah. So. But, we should say. Yeah. Like back in the day. Mm. Um, Composers would just have like songs. Yeah. Because, you know, when you think about like pre-Rogers and Hammerstein in particular, pre the golden age, they didn't have uh, like shows didn't really have proper storylines and depth of character and things like this. So they're really just just like padded out with standards. Yeah, exactly. So like when you think about Cole Porter and those sort of um, composers, then yeah, they just had like a bunch of songs. Gershwin to an extent. Yeah, exactly. So in this case, especially as we're talking about, yeah, like when we're people who straddle sort of both pre-Golden Age and Golden Age, um, which Julie Stein we're talking about in this case with Gypsy, so he had a bunch of songs, literally, you know, the idea being that. It's like you put them away in your trunk. Yeah, in your trunk and pull, like, pull them out for the next yeah, show if when you need, you need them. it. Yeah. yeah. So um, and then like sometimes they'll make a whole show out of trunk songs of people. Like isn't that what Crazy For You is? Yeah, correct. Yeah. 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 It's just a like bunch that. of trunk songs. Yeah. And a lot of those older sort of put together his shows are a bunch of trunk songs. Yeah, exactly. And that's not saying that they're bad songs. A lot of them have become like our standards. Exactly. Like a lot of classic jazz standards were trunk songs. Yeah. And I think like in the case of Gypsy, sometimes point was just like, I don't think this is going to work for this show. (laughs) And he was correct. He was correct. It would have just been a very different show. Maybe we wouldn't be talking about it the same way. Yeah. If they had used Julie Stein's trunk songs. I agree. I agree. (laughs) I don't have any apologies. No. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 
There you go. Uh, do you have a spotlight for sure. us today? So I got a bit inspired by my talk about Shuffle Along last week. So did I. Did you? Oh, God, imagine if we're doing the same I know, thing. wouldn't that be funny? Oh, so um, the choreographer, Savion okay, no, Glover. You're good. <gasps> no. Is, is it a show that he's involved in that you're I'm talking talk about? I'm talking about Bring in Amazing. But I was going to talk about Savion next week. Amazing. <laughs> so um, I – How good is he, though? So good. Did you go down a YouTube rabbit hole Completely. I mean, I actually started that YouTube rabbit hole when I was looking up Shuffle Along. Yes. Um, and, and then I was like, oh, my God, the amount of clips I've watched of Savion Glover. I'm actually lucky enough to have seen him tap dance live. He's an – Incredible. So we're talking about Savion Glover. Yeah, who was everyone. the choreographer of Shuffle Along that um that I spoke about last week. Yeah. Um, and he um so the reason I got that that season that I saw Shuffle Along, I happened to go to a, a theater conference in New York, and they it was one of these conferences where mostly it's about like getting the touring venues like around America to buy the shows. Yeah. Like, so like nice. here's what's on Broadway this season. You should book this into your subscription season for next year. And so they would hold these parties that were like, we really want to like schmooze the people going to this conference. Oh, that's cool. And so at this shuffle along party, um, that was one of the shows that was, um, you know, hosted the party. He came and performed and, oh. and did a tap dance, like in this club that we're in. That's the sort of thing though, that you will talk about in yeah. 50 years and just be like I saw Savion exactly, Glover. Exactly, exactly. It's I like also saw Fred Astaire a, I saw a panel that they were like George C. Wolfe, Audra, oh. like they were all on this panel um, wow. talking about the show. Yeah, it was quite incredible. Yeah, he's he's like one of the, he will be like, he, he was Gene Kelly. He's yeah, like, He's yeah. that sort of performer. Well, our spotlight can be a general discussion today then. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Um, but basically, um, you know, he's an incredible tap dancer, actor, choreographer. Um, he made his Broadway debut at the age of 11. In, no, did he? Yeah, in the, it's a show called The Tap Dance Kid. That's amazing. Um, he was a replacement in that show. Um, he was then in a show called Black and Blue at the age of 15. And for that, he was one of the youngest performers ever nominated for a Tony Award wow. um, at the age of 15. Um, and then he was in Jelly's Last Jam, which is an, quite a famous show um, that Gregory Hines, famous, famous tap dancer and performer Gregory Hines. Well, Gregory Hines was like Savion's um, mentor, mentor, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then I'll let Josephine talk about this show, but Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk was his next um, show that really kind of put him on the map in terms of as a performer. And yeah. that was also his first show choreographing. In fact, I'm just going to hand it over to you to talk Yeah, now. so God, I love that we're in <laughs> Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk, which is it's a musical review that has an all-black creative team. Yeah. So it was conceived and directed by George C. Wolfe, who we've spoken about now multiple times. Yeah. And, and he was um, the shuffle along king. Um, it's a really cool concept. It was really flippin' successful too. Like it ran for three years. I know. So it actually read 1,135 yeah. performances. It was around the same time as Rent, wasn't it? I yeah, noticed that. 1996, Six, right? exactly. Yeah, so yeah. same year. Yeah. yeah, so it was nominated for nine Tony Awards, including Best Musical. Um, and it won four of those awards, including Best Actress, Best Direction, Best Choreography, and Best Lighting Design. Yeah, so Savion won Best Choreography. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And um, – yeah, and George C. Wolfe won Best Direction, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's basically the story of black American history from slavery to the present day told through the medium of tap and yeah. music. Like, it's amazing. I would love to have seen it. Well, it also, like, I was reading and watching some clips. It was really groundbreaking in that it used a lot of projections and videos and super titles. Which would have been quite revolutionary at the time. In 96. Yeah. It also had a lot of instrumentalists on stage, which was also groundbreaking for 96. Yeah. So, like, it was was a big deal. Um, Yeah, it starred Savion Glover, 
who we know now, who I want to talk about in a future episode, but now Ruth has, <laughs> which is totally fine because he's insane. I highly recommend you watch the Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk Tony Award performance from yeah. 96. Um, so I was going to link to that. I was also going to link to a performance that he does with a few other people at like, it's like a telethon. I watched that one. Yeah. Yeah, where he's on that like timber. It's, it's just that like, like it, it's board. just like quite a good, like it's quite high, high his, quality video. And his skill, like he, it's quite a, an incredibly difficult tap yeah. that he does. Yeah. So you will, you will instantly be able to see his skill. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. quite amazing. Yeah. It's very high quality. Yeah. And they zoom in a lot on his feet. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Over to you, Ruth. Yeah. I mean that, honestly, I mostly was like, I'm going to link to this video. It's amazing. He's amazing. He's amazing. Definitely check him out. So yeah, he really made the transition from like performer at a very young age to choreographer. Yeah. And now is just like revered, mm. just a, a revered presence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's that show and him and they're both amazing. That worked out well. Yeah. Bring into Noise is not on Spotify. Oh, that's what I was going to say. But um, I think it is on YouTube. Am it's I on right? YouTube. Oh, bits and pieces of it are yeah. on YouTube. I see this was, I mean, this was kind of like when I was looking up Shuffle Along, this was the thing that kept yeah. getting me quite angry. Yeah. Was a lot of this stuff is just not readily available. And yeah. I think this is part of why these shows don't live on. Yeah. And I mean, this show had more runs, like more performances than a lot of the shows I've spoken about. Exactly. A lot of Sondheim shows, for example, have, yeah. this has run more than that. So I don't know what. Yeah. It just, it's just white Like a three year run on Broadway in the 90s That's is huge. a long time. It's huge. Yeah. I know, crazy. And I, I do understand that that was at a time when lots of dance shows were popular like, yeah. and that it isn't the same thing listening to a cast recording of a dance show as it is but it, for – it is really cool, funky, like rhythmic music. Exactly. It's great music to listen to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, anyway. I would – this is – and this is the thing that's I think a bit upsetting as well is that when we talk about shows that really get lost, especially that one best musical, mm. a lot of those dance shows of that time we're never going to see. No, we'll never see A them. show like Fosse. Like a show yeah. like, you know, yeah. um, Jerome Robbins Broadway. Like there are these shows that contact, you know, yeah. like these shows that were on Broadway and really successful, some of which won Best Musical, yeah. that we're never going to see. Yeah, it's a big shame, isn't it? But mm. also like the magic of those productions were the people who were there, yeah. not necessarily the show itself. Yeah, it's true. So, it's yeah, true. anyway. Well, that that was a good spotlight. Yeah. Yay. Do you have any recommendations? I actually have none. And I was thinking about it because I was thinking about this morning, like what could I recommend? And I realised that I haven't listened or watched anything new this week because my anxiety has been peaking. Oh. And so when my anxiety is peaking, I don't venture into new things. Yeah. I stick with safe old things. So I'm happy to recommend The West Wing and Buffy <laughs> and uh, Case File podcast <laughs> episodes I've already listened to. Yeah. I've kind of gotten over Case File. Uh, I have too. So I like to listen to the old ones like the East yeah. Area Rapist one and I love that the you Silk listen Road. to like the most violent, awful case but yes. that's like that somehow calms my anxiety. Yeah. 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 Well, well, they say we have a lot. Like it's about – you know, well, protecting it's like yourself. And... Schadenfreude, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, anyway. Well, I've got a couple. Ready. You always Mine do. are still kind of in the vein of Hamilton because that's just been uh, all the content. And yeah. I keep getting reminded of things. Like yeah. I keep getting reminded that things exist. Um, I know that like by the time you're listening to this, you will have watched Hamilton a thousand times. That's fine. Um, one of them is a documentary that they made a few years ago that PBS made mm. um, called Hamilton's America. Um, and it's actually almost – a history documentary, but that also goes into the musical. Yeah. Um, I, it's not like readily available everywhere, but if you can get your hands on it, definitely watch it. Um, 
so that's, yeah, it's a doco. It's called Hamilton's America. And the other is a new doco. And this is the thing. I love documentaries. I'm going to recommend documentaries as much as I can because that's a, a format that I love. Um, this is on Hulu in America. I'm sure it will get released here in some way, um, if nothing else, through iTunes at some point, yeah. um, called We Are Freestyle Love Supreme. Oh, yeah. So I mentioned Freestyle Love Supreme, I think, in the, in in the, the Heights episode, yeah, which is a, a hip-hop improv group. Um, improv comedy group that Lin-Manuel Miranda is a part of. Um, and it's also like Chris Jackson who plays Washington is a part of it. Mm. And it's got a lot of like Hamilton people, people involved yeah. kind of thing. The Lin-Manuel people. Yeah, like that like crew kind yeah. of thing. Like Tommy Kale is also their director, for yeah. example, and has been forever. And basically um, it's documentary kind of tracking their history and so cool. um, they went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in like 2005 and their friend who was a documentary filmmaker I think actually I, God I'm just saying this off the top of my head but I think he was involved in Hamilton's America as well oh cool um he went with them and filmed them and, That's and so all this sort cool. of thing. And it's it's a really great documentary. I love Freestyle Love Supreme. I've seen them live twice. They did a Broadway run in 2019 and I saw them at Joe's Pub in 2013 um, in New York. And I just – I love everything. They're so quick and clever and talented yeah. and just, I mean – Also, like, it's a skill that I know I will never have. Exactly. So watching someone do that, I think, oh, my God. It is. And, and, they've, and they've really worked out. I'm like, and I love good improv as well. Like, when oh, I went yeah. – I went to the Edinburgh Fringe in like 2016 and, you know, the Edinburgh Fringe, you see like six shows a day yeah. and it's the Immersive. best. Yes. Yeah. And um, I saw your face. Yeah. Was, you just went all red. It was, it was so good. You're so happy. <laughs> um, I, and I saw a lot of improv comedy. I, I like, cause we're talking about like some of the best improv comedians in the world. Yeah. And it like, when it's good, it is some of the best stuff you're ever going to see. Cause it's like live and it's happening in front of you. And for sure. Yeah, it's That's amazing. What you want to see. So yeah. Um, we are freestyle love Supreme is the name of the doco and it's really great. I watched it the other night. I love that. Yeah. So that's excellent my recommendations. recommendations. Yeah. You may even pull me out of my anxiety anxiety spiral yeah to watch something new excellent hmm. uh what is our theater explained topic for today wow. ruth we thought we'd talk about stage managers Ooh, yeah such a sexy topic i know oh, stage managers well i think some people out there might not realize exactly what it is that different roles do mm. in the theatre. and it, I actually think there are people out there who don't know how much fucking work it takes behind the scenes to put a show yeah, on and exactly, run a show. There exactly. are actually some really – I should link to them. There are some really good videos of like stage managers calling cues in particularly hard shows. Oh, I don't think I've ever watched something this like is, that. Oh, this is awesome video of the stage manager of Hairspray oh. calling the cues in like um, – what's that song? Dun, 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 dun. Mother, I'm a big girl now. Yes, Mother, I'm a big girl now. And just the constant calling of cues and – how yeah. intricate it is. Yeah, it's insane. I remember, I'll link to that. I remember, you know, we've got a couple of friends who are in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And um, when we when we went and saw it in Melbourne, they were telling us that um, the, sound, the sound mixer in that show. So if you've seen the play Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, lots of the music and background um, sounds that are happening, because it's a play, it's not a musical, but it's got a lot of music in it. You sort of think that they're just – it's like a track that they're playing, mm. but actually it's like 60 different sound cues all, all happening at once. At once. Yeah. And they know that like when this thing moves on stage, this particular sound cue has to stop and, yeah. and this thing. So it's literally like they're live mixing yeah. this soundscape that's happening. But for a show that intricate, you cannot have a pre-recorded. Like, that's right. Because if, if, one th- if one set piece moves at a slightly mm-hmm. different time, like you can't yep. have that. 
Yeah, it's really quite incredible. But to the person watching it, just it's just like, oh, yeah, they played that track yeah. and then it finished. Look, the work that goes on behind oh, the scenes, I guys. Know. So, Ruth, do you want to tell us about a stage manager? Yeah, so basically um, we also sort of want to talk a little bit about like what a stage manager might do in your like local community theatre compared to in a professional show. But essentially the stage manager is in charge of the running of the show once once it's once in, it's in the, the theater. theater. Yeah. yeah. So um in terms of like before we get into the theater, they are often in terms of professional theater, the one the people who are scheduling the rehearsals. Mm. They're the people who are taking notes in rehearsals, taking uh notes about like exactly what the blocking is, yeah. you know, writing rehearsal reports. Once the show is on writing show reports. Like mm. they're kind of the like communication link between the creative department and the performers and, like, everyone yeah. sort of doing different things. They make the prompt copy during the rehearsal period as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, during the tech rehearsal part of shows, they are the ones in charge of what's happening when. Mm. And then, as you say, when we say calling the show, do you want to explain what that means? Yeah, so basically the stage – when you're communicating on a show and you have lots of different tech, so you have like a lighting tech or an audio tech or people on the flyers, you can only really have one voice in charge of all of those things. So the stage manager is the person who, when they see a certain action or hear a certain line or whatever on stage that triggers a cue, the stage manager will call that cue to the particular department and that cue will then happen. Yeah. Um, and so it has to sort of be one person who knows how all the moving parts come together to yeah. then call those cues. Because if you're a lighting tech or an audio tech, you might not necessarily know the show. Yeah. All you know is when Q4 is called, you do this. Yeah. You don't know what triggers it, nor should you. Like you've got enough other shit to do. So the stage manager does that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then like so what a lot of people in community theatre would might be used to would be a, a role like a production manager, yeah. which doesn't really exist in professional theatre. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that a lot of – because in community theatre there's not like – we're not talking about like profit involved, right? Like yeah. we're not talking about people the, – the people who are putting on the show are, are putting up money and As things like, like this. As in like the producer. As in the producer yeah. because that's like the your community theatre that's putting mm. on the show is the producer, right? Mm. Um, so – in professional theatre, um, the producer or the general manager are the ones where to, it's the like money. A, a money job, right? Yeah, it's like an admin thing. So instead, a, a phrase you might hear sometimes in professional theatre is a production stage manager. Yeah. And that's really like the head stage manager because we're also right. talking about there being several stage managers. Yeah, so on the big – like uh, there are some smaller professional productions that don't have a production stage manager. Yeah. Like some big some big productions will have a production stage manager and then multiple stage managers underneath. So you might have a deputy stage manager and a stage manager yeah. and an assistant stage manager. But a lot of small shows don't have yeah. that many people. And once you get into having multiple stage managers, then the job changes a little. Yeah, exactly. So like um, for example, the – the assistant stage manager might be the one who's in charge of finding all the props and yeah. getting all the props. But then like, which changes like for an opera, did you know the assistant stage manager is calling the, is the prompt as Okay. Well? That's just in opera. Yeah. The deputy stage manager would normally be prompting, like yep. would be on the prompt and the, and the stage manager would be calling the cues. But then sometimes the production stage manager calls the cues as well. Yeah. And the other thing that I've, um, you hear a lot about is because when we talk about like a professional production um, there's kind of like a blueprint that's created for that original production in terms of costumes, in yeah. terms of the lighting plot, in terms of – and that's true also with the stage manager. So yes. the production stage manager has that book that has – Prompt copy, it's The called. prompt copy, yeah. et cetera. It's like a Bible. Yeah, it is. It's the, it's the show Bible and it's like – 
they are then the ones in charge of like when the first national tour of that show goes out, communicating that to the stage manager on the tour. Yes. So even though that production stage manager may not tour with the show, they might still be listed in the playbill as production stage manager because yeah. they were the ones to impart that yeah. sort of the Bible onto that show. Also, like after every single show during a run, the stage manager is responsible for writing a show report. Yeah, exactly. Like evaluating what went well, what didn't work, were there any accidents, were there any injuries? Like, and yeah. that happens after every show. It's a huge job. Like, it's yeah. a mammoth task. Yeah. And you're on before the cast, you're doing all the cast calls. Yeah. You're in charge of cast as well as all the technical crew. Yeah. Like, it's. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's a massive job. It's a huge job. Yeah, man. and I you would have not to have to... like, for example, the reason I've never like gone down any sort of stage management path is my technical skills are quite terrible. Yeah, you've got to, you yeah, know, you've... like you really have to know. You've got to know how the how everything works. Yeah, yeah. that's really important. Yeah, and yeah. like, yeah, I just know for me, like, um, yeah, stuff like lighting and yeah. sound and stuff is just not my area. Totally. And so I've always just felt like, as much as I'm a very organized person, and that I could like lend that part of my brain to stage management. Yeah, it's everything else that I like, and like, don't give me a hammer, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, if you're a stage manager on an amateur you've got production handy. you'd need to be handy <laughs> yeah. you've also got to like you're the safety warden or whatever exactly. like you've got a lot of responsibility yeah so yeah there's a that's the stage manager yeah excellent yeah um you're first this week Ooh, okay. i know it's at the top of my sheet you're so clever do you know we're up to episode 16 Episode 16. That's nice, isn't it? Love For, it. Um, episode 16, I'm going to be talking about The Secret Garden. Oh, lovely. Isn't it lovely? What a beautiful show. Oh, thank you for saying that, actually. Yeah. Because I was, I was listening to it a lot this week and just thinking, wow, I don't appreciate this show enough. Like, mm. I know that I love it, but I haven't listened to it in a long time. And listening to it this week just made me remember how beautiful it is. It's The music is so beautiful. So beautiful. But also it's a magical story. I was really looking forward to seeing it again in Australia this year. Don't give it away. I'm going to talk about that. Okay. Oh, sadness. Okay, so The Secret Garden. Much like actually Little Women that I've already spoken mm. about, I adore this book. Yep. Did you read it when you were a kid? I definitely did. Yeah, man. Oh, I and actually, that, that 90s film, you'll talk about it, I'm sure. But I'm actually not going to, but okay. there is there was a yeah, film in the 90s. I loved that film I think it was, as well. it was early 90s. Was it? Yeah. I don't yeah. even know who was in it, but I remember loving it. Yeah. 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 Um, I read it as like quite a young child and it's it's a very magical book. It's magical. But unlike Little Women, I think this is a much stronger musical as a whole. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It's just gorgeous. So it's based on the 1911 book of the same name by Frances Hodgson Burnett. It has also our first female team of composer oh. and lyricists, like – Women composed, or like made this musical. Yes, I, yeah. So it's got book and lyrics by Marsha Norman and music by Lucy Simon. Yes. Who you made? I mean, Lucy was Lucy Simon Doctor Zhivago. Yeah, as well? I know. Did yeah. you see Doctor Zhivago? Well, no, because I was bitter. Did you not? Oh, did you audition? Like I got to the last round. Oh wow! Yeah. It, anyway, if it helps, it was quite boring. <laughs> I knew it would be boring, but I just wanted a job, you know. Yeah. Um. The story is set in the early years of the 20th century. Our main character is Mary Lennox. She's a young English girl born and raised in India um, and she's orphaned by cholera. So her parents die like during the cholera outbreak when she's 10 and so she's sent away from India to live in this like incredible manor house in Yorkshire that her like brooding sad uncle lives in and owns this incredible like manor house. So it's her dead aunt's husband who owns the house right basically um there her personality blossoms like at the beginning of the show she's this really like sour bland 
like um, Anne of a child, you know, like Anne yeah. from Arrested Development. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she blossoms um, like amongst all the other residents of the manor, like, you, you know, the maid and the, and the garden boy and brings this like amazing new life to this long neglected garden, the yeah. sacred garden. It's a beautiful story. That's a highly abridged yeah. plot. But yes, that's the main plot. So some productions, it had its first workshops at the Wells Theatre in Virginia. These workshops, I ran for only about a month in 1989. Yeah. I didn't actually realise it was that old. Oh, didn't you? Yeah, I thought it might have been mid-90s. Okay. I knew that I saw it as a child I child. also saw it as a yeah. child child. Did you see the original Australian? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so, yeah, it started 1989. It then had a bit of a like a languishing sort of break um, and it was until it was picked up to be put on Broadway. That didn't happen until 91. Mm-hmm. So it opened in the Sa- at the St. James Theatre in April 91 and closed um, in 1993 after 709 performances. Right, so pretty good. Yeah, which is a really solid few run. Few years, yeah, yeah. solid few years. Um, it was directed by Susan Shulman and notably the set was designed by Heidi Landsman. Wow, so it was really like a female creative team. It was quite female. So like the the musical director was a man and I think the choreographer was a man. Right. And that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was I, didn't, I can't say it was completely female, but yeah, it was but largely still, female. Even the fact that the composer and like composer and lyricist book writer and director were all female. We're all females. Is that's a right. big deal. Very cool. Um, the cast, the original Broadway cast featured Mandy Patinkin. Of course. In the role of the brooding sad uncle. Um, Robert Westenberg, yep. who we know from Into the Woods and Sunday in the Park with George, he played the um, Cinderella's Prince and the Wolf. He is um, the like the uncle, yeah, the, like the brother. Sorry yeah. of the yeah. yeah, what's his name? Um, Neville, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. John Cameron Mitchell, yes, as um, he's so beautiful uh, when he's young. Now, I'm, why am I forgetting the name? Is what's it Colin his name? or the other no, one? No, it's. I'll look it up. The you know the garden boy. It's like um, Dickon. Dickon, thank you, yeah. Dickon. And Rebecca Luca played um, the dead wife, Lily. So it's like a wash with stars, like proper stars. Those people are. Um, the set was absolutely insanely stunning. Have you seen a picture of the original Broadway set? I mean, I'm sure I have, but oh, I should shit. look it up again. Yeah, it looks so. They, it was modelled off this Victorian toy theatre, and it is like a like a magical like wonderland. I think you should actually Google pictures of it. Yeah, I'm it's doing it now. pretty. So, but make sure you Google like Heidi Landsman Secret Garden yeah. set. Oh, so pretty. So after it had its closed in '93 on Broadway, it opened in Australia for a really successful run in 1995, and it was pretty much the same Broadway production, including like the same director. Um, she Susan Shulman came out to Australia to direct it and the same set designer and everything. Wow. Yeah, which I didn't know. And but that one starred the perfect Philip Quast Anthony Warlow Ugh. combo. Oh my god. And Marina Pryor as um Yes, that's Lily. right. Oh my god. I know. So Australian theatre royalty. Actual right theatre royalty, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what, Philip Quast is global theatre royalty. Yeah. So that was a really successful production. There was also a heavily revised Royal Shakespeare Company production that ran at Stratford in 2000 and until 2001 with Philip Quast, but Philip Quast was playing the main uncle this time. Ah. So in Australia he played Neville, yeah. which is like – so the storyline that I didn't say was basically 
Mary's um, uncle who owns the manor house, he's like a really surly man who's lost his wife and he's got a crippled son and he's very sad and his brother sort of lives with them and he's lost his wife and so he's devastated about that. But the subplot is also that um, the brother was in love with the wife as well. So there's this hence like – Hence Lily's eyes. Hence the song Lily's yeah. Eyes, which we've talked about extensively. Yes. <laughs> and I won't ever shut up about it. So Philip Quast has played both brothers at one stage. That um, Shakespeare Company production transferred to the West End and it ran for five months, which okay. is pretty cool. The West End has had, a re- has had a revival in the West End in 2016 with a company of completely child actors. Oh. Isn't that random? Random. So random. <laughs> I was living there then. <laughs> yeah, there you I go. I have no memory of that. <laughs> Maybe you just didn't want to see children see yeah. Lily's eyes. Maybe I don't know. that's it. Um, there's been a broad, there's actually a Broadway revival in the works. Yeah. I mean, I've heard, they I think said it might it. be dead. Yeah. They said so, it and then it just kind of, they had a workshop and it just kind of. Yeah. This is like in 2018, there were big, like exciting talks yeah. about it. And they're still like, cause I was reading on, uh, maybe Broadway world or something. The producers are still saying, no, we like, we have the cast. As soon as we have a theater, yeah. we will do this. Yeah. So they're just apparently waiting on a theater. I hope so. I hope so. It'll be so good. There have actually been, this will interest you, there have been some notable concert versions. Yes. I know the one you're going to mention. Well, I'm going to mention two and they're both awesome. So including a World AIDS Day concert in 2005 starring Stephen Pasquale, (gasps) Laura Benanti, Celia Keenan-Bolger and Michael Ardern. Oh. What a cast, right? Um, they would have been married then, Steve Pasquale and Laura Benanti. I think so, yeah. yeah. Or they, I don't know if they ever got married. Certainly they were together they were for together. many, many years. Yeah. So, yeah, that, as soon as I saw that cast, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that, that's a long time ago as well. A, 2005. Yeah. yeah. Like Celia Keenan Bolger would have been super young. Yeah. But she played the maid, who was quite a young. Yeah. Anyway, um, then there was a, a Manhattan concert production presented um, a concert at the Lincoln Center mm. for two nights only in 2016. Sydney Lucas was Mary. She's oh, the little girl from Fun from Home. Fun Home, yeah. yeah. Uh, so she was Mary. The original Mary Lennox from the original Broadway production play. Her name's Daisy Egan. Yeah, she played the role of Martha, the well, maid. She's um from uh yes. yeah. Well, she won. Did she win a Tony for Secret Garden? She did indeed. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about that in yeah. a sec. Yes. Yeah, so she's she, great. She's great. So she went on to play the maid. Yeah. Um, also in the cast were Sweet Ramin. Yes, that's what I, I knew that was coming. Sweet <laughs> he, Ramin currently. Yeah, so he played Archibald, which is the cranky uncle. Yeah. Sierra Bogus played Lily. Yes. So we'd know her from Little Mermaid. Yeah. And with Ramin, the Phantom 25th anniversary. That's right. And yeah. um, I'd never say his name, Shay- Cheyenne Jackson. Che- yeah, Cheyenne Jackson, yeah. So delicious. Yes, he played Neville. So delicious. Oh man. And Bl- Ben Platt played Dickon. Yeah. In this concert version. That's it's actually great. pretty uh, random, I think, Ben Platt as Dickon. But anyway. Yeah. Can he do a Yorkshire accent? I think he's talented. Sure. <laughs> he's very talented. Yeah. So here's the big sad news. In August 2019, it was announced that Opera Australia and the Gordon Frost organization would stage the 25th anniversary production. Again, directed by Susan Shulman, so the original director, yeah. opening in Sydney in August 2020 with a Melbourne season to follow, starring Anthony Warlow as Archibald <sighs> Craven. But it's been cancelled. I literally just took it off my calendar the other day. I was like, oh, because I had all the, my dates <sighs> for the year in the calendar. So I was like seconds away from buying an Opera Australia subscription yeah. this year because of Yeah, this. well, that's why I got one. <sighs> yeah, I know. My heart. 
aches. Yeah. The thought of seeing it again and seeing Anthony Waller win it again. I really hope, you know, like a lot of these they've said, like it's a cancelled production, but I really, like same with the Yiddish production of Fiddler on the Roof. Like I really hope that at some stage it's just like we can't do it now so we have to cancel it, but we're going to try and do it, you know, in 2021 or 2022 or whatever. I just really, my thing is that like I hope these production companies and theatres can be sustained until that. Yeah. That's yeah. my biggest concern. I, I'm not worried about Opera Australia. <laughs> I'm not worried about Opera Australia. I'm not worried about Gordon Frost. Yeah. But, yeah. I would love to see it because I haven't seen it since I was a child. No, I was actually thinking. So I've seen two productions of it. I've seen the original Australian and I've seen an amateur production. Have you? But the last time I saw it, the amateur production was maybe, I would say, 15 years ago. Yeah. So it's been a long time. Yeah. But it's also one of those shows that I remember every second of it. Yeah. I remember it vividly. Yeah. And that I can't say that for many musicals, no. to be honest. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. So some fun facts. Yes. Heidi Landsman, the set designer, the original set de- designer, was the first female to ever win a Tony Award for scenic design. Oh, she first won for Big River and then won again for Secret Garden. Yeah. So she's won two Tony Awards for set design. And Daisy Egan, who was the original Mary Lennox, was the youngest recipient of a Tony Award at age 11 for her yeah. performance. I, I think she, she still, still might is. Be, yeah. She's still the youngest to win um, Best Featured Actress. Yeah. I think yeah. she's like on Twitter and she like every now and then she writes like sassy tweets about how she like can't get an audition now, but yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm the youngest ever recipient of a Tony award. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's a huge deal. Yeah. Like when she was 11, she got a Tony for best featured actress. Yeah. Oh, I actually, I didn't check who she was up against. It was probably some mad, mm. mad talent. What was the year? Um, Did you say 91? 1991. Yeah. Well, it opened in a- yeah, April 91, so it would have been 91. You check it while I keep yeah. talking. Um, interestingly also, the book of this musical is quite different from the original novel. The novel is a lot more focused on the children's stories. So Mary, it's more about Mary and her growth and development and how she finds the secret garden, how she brings her cousin sort of out of his shell. It's more about that story. But the musical emphasises sort of the adult relationships a lot more. Mm. It's also mostly the magic of it. I think the adult stories are even more interesting. And I thought that as a child, like, just pause. Ready. Let me tell you. Oh, I no. love when we look up musical, like what one in what year. Tell me, the tell 1991, me. 1991. Tony um, Awards. Tony Awards, uh, the 45th annual. Um, this is who won Best Musical. Okay. was the Will Rogers Follies. Yes. Right? I'll tell you what it beat. Oh, no. The Secret Garden. Okay. Once on this island. Shit. And Miss Saigon. <gasps> <laughs> I love it when shit like that comes up. What the hell is going on? Yeah. So who was um, Daisy Daisy uh, Egan so up against? So she was up against Alison Fraser from as who was Martha in oh, Secret Garden. Yeah. Uh, she was up against Katie Huffman in the Will Rogers Follies. She was the original Ula. Yeah, she um, was in the producers. In the producers and Lashans in Once on This Island, who was the original to Moon. She was up against. Sh- yeah, <laughs> yeah. She did well. Yeah, she did do well. Oh damn! I, I can't can... believe. Yeah, Will Rogers, Will Rogers Follies. Follies. That's pretty random. The other three musicals have really like oh they've they've stood done the pretty well. <laughs> Test of time, man. Um, also, interestingly, the original Broadway cast recording is a bit of a game changer because it features a whole lot of scenes like recorded, ah. so you can listen to a whole lot of dialogue throughout the recording that do sort of 
they just really help the listener, I okay. think, place a lot of the songs. Yeah. So there are a lot of soundtrack of soundtracks. There I go again. There's a lot of cast recordings that have songs that are fully in isolation where a bit of dialogue would be super helpful. Yeah. But these like there's actual scenes. And when you look at the at like the list of songs, you'll see scene. Yeah. And it sort of explains it. Like it's I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's it doesn't make it a super long. Like I've only like cherry picked some of the scenes that need yeah. need to be Just to there. Give it context. Yeah, but it makes it means when you sit down and listen to it, it feels like you're listening to an abridged version of the story. Yeah. Like you actually get a sense of the story, which I think is really cool. Um So music, you can listen to the original Broadway cast recording or the original West End cast recordings. They're both on Spotify. I prefer the Broadway because Mandy. Yeah. (laughs) But also the West End has Philip. So you pick and choose whatever you want. As I've mentioned definitely more than once, you can hear the ultimate version of Lily's Eyes, which (laughs) is um, Anthony Wallow and Philip Cost on Spotify as well. I think it was recorded for like Anthony, one of Anthony Wallow's like albums that he released. So you can find that and it is worth the trek. Unfortunately, there isn't a recording of the Australian cast, which is a huge shame because they're incredible. Yeah. Like, that is a real shame. I just assumed because I went searching the other day. I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to the original Australian. Nope, you no. can't. So, yeah. Okay, so here's your gateway songs. Yeah. Are you ready? I think A Bit of Earth yeah, you should, love that song. Yeah. Should be a gateway song. I've actually put two versions of the song on the playlist. So one of them is Mandy and one of them is Philip. Okay. I couldn't choose my favourite. They're very different because Mandy's got that voice and I'm not apologising. Yeah. So whatever. The other one I've chosen is Winters on the Wing. Okay. So Dickon, the character of Dickon has two main songs and Wick is the one that's normally like it's pretty popular. But Winters on the Wing I think is a better gateway into the rest of the show. Yeah. And also John Cameron Mitchell. Yeah. Um. It's got a really the really fun sort of Yorkshire folky vibe going, which features in a number of songs. I actually also was going to recommend Hold On, which is the song sung by the maid Martha, but I don't like any either of the recordings. I <laughs> recommend you go to YouTube and watch Celia Keenan Bolger sing yeah. it in the concert, the 2005 concert, because she's so good. Um, and the very last one is How Could I Ever Know, which yeah. is the love duet between Archibald and his dead wife. Are you gonna not Lily's eyes? Well, no, because everyone knows that. Yeah, and I also, yeah. You don't feel like it's a gateway song. It's so beautiful. I do feel like it's a gateway song, but I feel like I can now, if I don't recommend that, even though I've recommended it in other ways, I can still sneak three songs in. (laughs) I just wanted to, I wanted to put the whole cut, the whole recording. I sometimes. Do Um, you? Yeah, sometimes I put sneaky gateway songs. Four's fine. Is it? Yeah. Well, listen to Lily's Eyes as well, people. (laughs) We'll put the we'll put the Philip Quast and Anthony Wallow version of Lily's oh, Eyes on. Yes, we just want please. to sink that into as many playlists as possible. Just one, just one a week. We'll mention yeah. it once a week. Um, That's it. That's Secret Garden. Isn't Lucy Simon's sister Carly Simon the songwriter who wrote? Um, oh, sorry. Didn't she write "You're So Vain"? I actually think that is the truth. Yeah. I'm not. Let me just check. I'm not going to say definitely. Yeah. You, do you know that? Because you I, know that. I, I'm pretty sure that's true. That does sound correct. But, but how, how common is the last name Simon? You yeah, know? Like, like I think it has it's to one of those be the same where person. I was like, I assume she's not she's related to Paul Simon, but I don't know. But I'm pretty sure that's true. Let's see. Yeah. And Marsha Norman, I think, wrote the book of Bridges of Madison County. Oh, with did Jason she? With Jason Brown. Robert Brown. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Because they were also like, did you know that? You, do you remember that he was going to do the King Kong musical for a little while? Oh, no. Really? Yeah, him and her. And then they just, like, got booted from the project. Yeah, so Lucy Simon is the older sister of Carly Simon. Yeah. 
She wrote You're So Vain, right? Yeah. yeah no relation it. to Paul Simon. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not every Simon is related. Neil Simon? <laughs> <laughs> also, no. <laughs> Actually, yeah. the daughter of the co-founder of the book publisher, Simon & Schuster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So well, that is another famous, famous Simon. Simon. Yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, yeah. Marsha Norman. She's done heaps as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, God. I can't wait to see that show again. Isn't it so pretty? Yeah. Maybe we should do it. Yeah, let's put it on. Let's put it on. I assume the rights aren't available. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's about to be Because it was here. supposed to be on. <sighs> yeah, but it, yeah, the music. And to be fair to Dr. Zhivago, that the music wasn't the issue. The um, Marsha Norman wrote the libretto for The Colour Purple. Yeah, okay. That's did she cool. do Bridges of Madison County? She did. Yeah, I thought that was right. She very much did. Um, she won a Pulitzer Prize for drama. Wow. Huh. Um, but yeah, like it's what like Lucy Simon writes beautiful music. Like beautiful. that's never been an issue. You know, I actually quite like the music in Doctor Zhivago. Yeah, like it's really pretty. You cannot put that story onto the stage. It's, it was just it's like just a, it was long. a real slog. It's it was actually, a real slog. It's hard to get through the movie, and I don't yeah. mind the movie, but it's a trek yeah yeah exactly it's a commitment yeah yeah but um secret garden's beautiful and beautifully done thank you yes um today yes ruth i am going to tell you about yes title of show (gasps) well or i should say open square brackets title of show closed square brackets then have leftover title of show that's the one Ah. so um to me this is like the ultimate theatre nerd show. Like, 100%. This is a show about why we do what we do. It's a show about theatre and why we love theatre. Oh, I love it All so of those much. things, right? Yeah. Um, if you don't know the show, so music and lyrics by Jeff Bowen and the books by Hunter Bell. Yeah. And it is essentially a musical about two guys writing a musical about two guys writing a musical, <laughs> right? That is literally the story. Yeah, it's like it's cr- – all like major inception. Yeah. The characters are Hunter, Jeff, and Jeff. <laughs> Susan and Heidi, who are the names of the four actors who played those parts. Yeah. And Larry, who is the musical director. Yeah. And it is literally those four performers and, and a Larry. keyboard. Yeah. yeah. And that is the entire show. So um, simple. So the show is about the creation of itself. For the 2004 New York Musical Theatre Festival. (laughs) So New York Musical Theatre Festival, um, NIMF for short, is what it used to be called. And it ran for many years. It sadly finished a year or two ago. Why did they think that NIMF was a good acronym? (laughs) That's terrible. Well, that's what it was for many years, many, many years. Um, And and like quite a few shows started there, like Alter Boys, I think, started there. I was going to talk about that this week. That's weird. Well, I was just going to mention it because I remember that it existed this week. Yeah. It's a fun show, actually. Fun, yeah. Yeah. Um, Went to a friend of ours in a production once. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And um, yeah, so sadly, Nymph doesn't exist anymore, but it was like a a theatre festival of. um, (laughs) That's what it was called. (laughs) That's what people called it. Um, Get your mind out of the gutter. Sorry. and so, yeah, so it was written for the creation of the, of the 2004 Nymph. <laughs> and it was, it was then updated as the show moved through each production that it did to reflect what happened the in the meantime. Of, yeah. yeah. So um, Hunter and Jeff wrote the first incarnation in three weeks and submitted it for the festival. So good. Um, it was um, popular at Nymph and then it had a short off-off Broadway run. Can you run. stop saying Nymph? No. A short off-off-Broadway run in September 2005 at Ars Nova. So Ars Nova is one of these, like, um, uh, theatre companies in New York. It's where um, Great Comet started. 
Ah. Um, so it's like, yeah, like a really kind of um, yeah, like a great little, yeah. little yeah, a little New York theater institution. Um, it then has a run at the Vineyard Theater off Broadway um, from February to April 2006 as part of their subscription season, cool. and then an extension from July to October 2006 when it was so popular. Yeah. Um, the cast recording that's available, so like what's on Spotify and what you can buy, is from that off Broadway incarnation. Yes. Uh, and that's important because it's it has- like. Does That's change, the point right? of the show, yeah, that we are listening to the cast recording. Yeah. Um, and so the songs reflect what was in that production. Um, it then opens on Broadway at the Lyceum Theatre on July 5th, 2008 and ran until October 12th, 2008. So sadly, not very long. Mm. Um, however, Hunter Bell was nominated for Best Book at the 2009 Tony Awards. That was their Tony nomination. Um, but uh, that was the year that Billy Elliot, you know, Swept everything. won a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, personally in Australia, Scobologic, a great theatre company in Sydney, did it. In fact, I think they did two seasons of it. I think they did. Yeah, yeah. and I saw it at least twice, maybe three times. What are we talking about, like 2011? Oh, I think earlier. Really? I think earlier than that, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, I think they were one of the first companies in Australia to do it. Um, yeah. I, I probably still got my ticket stub somewhere. As you know, I collect them and they are all catalogued <laughs> in a box. So Theatre hoarder. Yeah. Um, now, they held a 10th anniversary reunion concert in New York last year. And Did it they really? I didn't know that. Five days before I got there. Oh, fuck <laughs> Can you imagine? That's like the one time I've been to New York, um, I missed uh, Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden oh, by yeah. a day. Uh, Devastated. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would have, my God, I would have loved to have gone to that. There's, there are a few of these, like, these concert things happen in New York and it's just like, if you don't live there, like, Yeah, you would never know yeah, or get to, yeah. And they never, like, record them. No, nah, no, nah, it's sort of... One night only. Ugh, yeah. Some of, like, that last five years one they did with Cynthia Erivo oh, and Josh yeah. Henry, like, I would have loved to have seen that. Oh, those things. That concert that Jason Robert Brown did with with Sondheim. Yeah. And, like, Lynn manuel was a guest at it. I'm like, those are my three favourite composers. I do, here's <laughs> what I imagine that. They all just are like, someone calls someone and is like, do you want to do a concert next week? And that's it. Like, that's yeah. what, and they're like, yeah, sure. Like, sometimes, oh. like, yeah, 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 I'll come. Next week and we'll do a concert. Um, so fun fact. So leading up to Nymph, uh, <laughs> they had booked a, um, a downtown Manhattan venue to perform at for a few nights, like just so that they could like do the show. And Heidi Blickenstaff, um, she wasn't involved at that stage. Oh, really? Yeah. So basically the fourth character was Stasia, and Stasia was named for Stasia Fernandez, an actress who was – the original fourth character yeah. who left, she got the job as Beth Levels understudy in the Jazzy Chaperone, like as the understudy yeah, okay. for the Jazzy Chaperone. And so at Nymph, the character that Heidi played was still called Stasia because they like hadn't changed the script yet. But after Nymph, it was renamed to Just, Heidi and yeah. sort of reworked to be like more her personality. Yeah, nice. Um, a lot of you might know Heidi Blickenstaff. Um, she was, was she a wicked. She was an Alphabet understudy, or no? I don't think she was ever in Wicked. Oh. Um, but she was the um understudy for Sherry Renee Scott in Little Mermaid on Broadway. And yeah, for she's Ursula. been in a few as yes, yeah. Ursula. Yeah, she's been in quite a few different Broadway shows over the years. She's I think she's. In the Freaky Friday musical, that that would be probably where people know her from now. Oh yeah, she plays the mom. I'm sure she was in Wicked. I don't think she's ever done Wicked. Mm. Not not that I'm aware of. She's in Something Rotten as well. Yes, Something Rotten. Sorry, that would definitely be the other thing you would know her from. She sings that. Um, is it Right Hand Man? Is her song in Something Rotten? Yeah, I that's think that's right. what it's called. 
Um, so the director and choreographer of the show is Michael Barras, who is Jeff Bowen's um, partner in real life. Yeah. But you may know him specifically, you, Josephine, as Zach in the most recent revival of A Chorus Line. Yes, I do. Yeah, so. He was great. Yeah, and he's a performer, like he's Tony-nominated yeah. um, performer. Um, so <laughs> I just thought I'd talk, tell a little personal story, which is that, you know, as you know, in my work, we do pro- souvenir programs for shows. Yes. And one time I remember like some years ago now, our proofreader brought up this biography of someone and was like, they've forgotten to put the name of the oh, show it's a title in of this show. biography. Cause of course it just looks, cause literally like, so, you know, yeah, it's like, they it looks are, like insert title yes, of show. It looks like insert title of show. Like if, in other words, because they're applying for this festival, it's just like the title, what's your title of show? It's title of show, right? Yes. Like that's the idea of it. Yes. Um, and they just thought that they left, left out the title of the oh, show. That's I thought cute. that was really cute. Um, the, the show is Filled with obscure musical references to the point where there's an entire song called Monkeys and Playbills, which is just names of Broadway flops. Like the that the, sh- the song is them listing names of Broadway flops. It's a list song. Yeah. Well, sort of. <laughs> um, but in that, one of my favourites, which I'm sure is one of Josephine's favourites as well, is that they're all on a phone call together and they go, yay, party line, <laughs> which is a Zombie Prom reference. Yes, it is. And Zombie Prom is an off-Broadway show that is very obscure that so J- Josephine obscure. and I love Adore. and have loved for years and years Forever, and years. since uh, the beginning of time. I, You know, in my like end of... My graduating recital, I did a number from Zombie Prom. Did you? I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I did Johnny Don't Go to the of, Nuclear Plant. I mean, plant. of course. <laughs> of course. Oh, anyway, I just – like any show that has a Zombie Prom reference in it. Like, 100%. Um, and the other one is when she's like, I need your shoes, which is an Into the Woods reference yes. when they're doing um, secondary characters. Um, and the other thing that um, – I really like had a bit of a pinch myself moment about was in, there's a song called part of it all where they yeah. sing about just like basically like the nerdy things of like when they're really part of like being part being of Broadway. Show, yeah. yeah. But there's like some really specific Broadway things like having your caricature up at Sardi's, things like this. Mm. But one of them is um, the opening night at Tavern on the Green. Um, and I've been really lucky to go to two Broadway opening nights as part of work. And yeah. one of them was the most recent Miss Saigon revival and the opening night party was at Tavern on the Green oh in Central Park. God. And I literally was like, I'm from part of it all. <laughs> like you I, are part yeah, of it all. Yeah, I'm in part of it all. <laughs> so excited. You're a loser. Um, so, I mean, I've loved this show since it first came out. It's funny because... As soon as you listen to it, you love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I don't normally like overly like self-referential things necessarily. Mm. So, you know, like... But I just something think about as, the, the way they balance this. Yeah. I just, I always think of those self-referential things as like, you know, like when you're in school and you're in drama class and you're like, let's make a drama skit about people writing a drama skit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, or like, let's make one about us. Yeah. Or whatever. Like that but sort no of thing. no one else will like, care about or watch. Cringe, yeah. you just, know? Just too indulgent. Yeah. Or even like when people put local references into pantomimes and mm, stuff. I'm just like, but for some reason this show like defies all of that for me. Yes. Um, I agree. Yeah. And it was one of the first Broadway shows to really embrace social media, I think, like personally. So like in 2008 when it was on, so that's like around the same time as In the Heights. Yeah. And that was a real turning point. You know, in the In the Heights episode, we talked about um, how Lin-Manuel like loved YouTube and was always putting YouTube clips up mm. and did the the fake. Um, and Legally in fact, Brown. Hunter Bell is in the Legally Brown yeah, yeah. Um, thing. And um, so they really started engaging directly with fans through YouTube. 
that was part of the big title of show yeah. sort of fan community. And um, they had a show on YouTube called The Title of Show Show. And there's two seasons of it on YouTube. I will link to it. It's, it's very good. It's all still there. I remember watching it when, like, when as it was coming yeah, out. Yeah, there's lots of Broadway stars on it. Yeah. It's really great. And just, like, chronicles them, like, their, like, journey to Broadway, basically. Mm-hmm. Um uh, let's, so we talked about Heidi for a second. Let's talk about Susan Blackwell. Yes, Susan. So Susan Blackwell is the other character in the show. Um, and in real life she has a new, I'm, I'm not even going to link to it because there are so many, but she does a show for Broadway.com called Side by Side by Susan Blackwell. And they are incredible. Yeah. They're so good. If you love someone and they are being interviewed on Side by Side by Susan Blackwell, definitely watch it. Yeah. They're the most like quirky interviews you've ever seen. She always like licks their faces or like whatever but they're also hilarious yeah she's great she's so funny so funny so so like irreverent and so smart um but also I just wanted to mention that she had had quite like she wasn't really as really aiming to be a successful Broadway actress in the same way that say like Heidi Blick and stuff was Mm. when she got involved so for example she was doing a lot of like quirk like downtown theater you know that sort of thing and it was always kind of She's a side a of, thing like, for her screen as well hasn't she she has now yeah. yeah um but basically she kept her day job all through title of show on broadway they referenced that a lot yeah so like they like she had like a corporate admin job that was what paid her bills <laughs> and she didn't quit i mean i don't think she necessarily did it after title of show but she wrote an article about it at the time that was like this is it's like a 30 year out she changed to like a 30 hour. She was doing a full-time job when they were off Broadway, like a high flying corporate job. And then, yeah, still doing an off Broadway show. And then I think she changed to like a 30 hour a week show when they were on Broadway and just like, yeah, sorry, 30 hour a week job. And then still did a Broadway show. Like it's amazing. How many, I wonder how many Broadway actors can say that they had like a full-time job. Like none. (laughs) (laughs) Like none. I mean, I'm sure some of them still like, teach and stuff like that on the side but oh, not yeah, like true. an office job no not like a job that has nothing to do with yeah <laughs> crazy um yeah I I wanted to mention like this is where I really feel like the system is broken a show like this because yeah, I agree you know they talk about in the show you know that creativity is what should win the day and art should win the day and it's not about commercial things and producers took a risk and they took that to Broadway and it was a huge financial failure for them. Yeah. And it's kind of like there's an audience for this show, but it's obviously not the Broadway audience. No. And it's like how do we how do we fix a system where like a show like that should still be able to get It should still have a place. Yeah. What's and maybe place? that's not Broadway, but it's like how do you I then get it out to the masses? That's you know? right. This is where I think that the aim of getting a show on Broadway is is a broken one. Like yeah. we shouldn't that shouldn't be the aim for yeah. every show. It's it's not a fit. Yeah. Particularly now where like Broadway is for it's for like Disney musicals. Yeah, you know where what I mean? tickets are so expensive. So expensive. It's silly. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta it's, have other ways. I know. So like I just wanted to mention that because it's like it's it's a real shame that it didn't do well yeah. because it's and in fact the producers are like Kevin McCollum and Jeffrey Seller, who were the rent producers, the Avenue Kids, yes. you know. They did some of these like incredible original shows. Yeah. And so it was a shame in that sense. Um 
I just wanted to mention, um, I could I could quote to you like so many lyrics from the show that I love yes. so much. But there's a section of an original, there's a song in it called an original musical I love that I just wanted musical. to quote. Now I have to say actually the, the, the presentation of the character in that show, listening to it again this week, I'm like, oh, this is quite problematic. It's prob- it's racist. Yes, it's racist. And I think actually now if, if you were performing the show that you just wouldn't play it the way that it's played on the recording no, basically. And I don't think they would if they were doing the show now either. I wonder what they did for that concert. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but, yes, it's essentially like um, imitating a black, like a, a token black character yes. um, in the in the song. But, um, yeah, it, it does make some amazing points in the song. And this is this is the line from you. They say, say, you see a lot of times musicals are based on books like The Scarlet Pimpernel or Lestat. And other times they're based on plays like Picnic, and Hot, which became Hot September. But more recently, musicals have been based on movies like... My favourite year, Footloose, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Big, Saturday Night Fever, The Wedding Singer, The Full Monty, The Producers, Thoroughly Mud and Millie, Hairspray, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, Billy Elliot, Spamalot. And then the, the other character goes, wow, so movies make good musicals? And he says, well, they make musicals. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, so true. it's like that was what, 12 years ago and we're still there. We can only know? imagine what's been added to the list since. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> So gateway songs, and I want to talk a little bit about each of these songs because each of these three songs are really special to me. I hope you've chosen my favourite. <laughs> so um, firstly, a song called A Way Back to Then, which I put in one of our mixtapes, I think, maybe. Yeah, was it? Maybe Saddest? No. No, it wouldn't no. have been Saddest. I don't know what I – I think I put it in a mixtape. Anyway, um, A Way Back to Then is basically like Heidi um, – it's kind of the only time in the show that like a person just gets to have a song by themselves. So most of the time it's literally just like the four of Ensemble, them on stage. Yeah. 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 And it's Heidi. It's like the most musically It is. You're song. right. It's like kind of the only like proper standalone musical theatre yeah, song. For sure. Um, and Heidi basically sings about doing shows as a child in the same way that I've talked when you talked about Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. The song Why from Tick, Tick, Boom. Same thing. It's exact. To me it's like. They touch my heart in exactly yeah. the same way. It's the same sentiment. She talks about Beautiful. falling in love with Annie as a child, the musical Annie. Yeah. And it's literally just about like finding the magic of like loving theatre as a child. Like yeah. that's what the song is about. And uh, I just. It's it, beautiful. It's so and beautiful. And she's got this beautiful vanilla. Yeah. Um, not vanilla. Fudgy voice. Like it's Velvet? Velvet. Thank Velvety. you. That's much better. Vanilla's delicious though. Yes, it is delicious. <laughs> um, the My second gateway song is a song called Nine People's Favourite Thing. And the theme of this song, the, you know, the main line in it is, I would rather be nine people's favourite thing than 100 people's ninth favourite thing. Yeah. And I just think that that's I love that. a message that we can all take, especially as we, like, make art in the world mm. and stuff like that. You know, I think that is what we all feel. Yeah. Um, yep. It is just and, – and to me that really sums up what this show is. That aligns – like, it's a very different idea now with, like, we've got Instagram and, and getting lots of followers. It's a very different idea to what I think a lot of people think is what they want. Yeah. But when you when you boil it down, that's what you want. You want to be nine people's favourite yeah, it's about like like a really small group of, you know, maybe a really, you know, in comparison small group of people just like thinking you are the best thing in the world yeah. compared to like a bunch of people being like, yeah, yeah they're good, yeah, fine. they're fine. Yeah. You know, you want to be right. passionate about something. You know, Absolutely. Or, yeah, and Absolutely. Um, I love that. I love that message. And my third gateway song, uh, favourite song in the show is a song called Die Vampire Die. <sighs> Thank God you said that. <laughs> 
I was so stressed you weren't going to say it. <laughs> Which again, so this is a song and mostly it's Susan singing and the other three sing back up. And it's literally a song about, you know, we've talked about anxiety in this episode. Yep. It's a song about why why do we, why can we think like, yeah, self-doubt. Like yeah. why can we think that everything else is like everyone else is great but not ourselves yeah like, and why do we why do we acknowledge like when other people are being mean to themselves we can't see it in ourselves yeah, like why yeah, are we exactly. so incapable of supporting ourselves yeah and it's like the different ways self-doubt can creep in as yeah. a performer and things like this and, and self-sabotage they and, refer to it as a vampire yeah. and it's about like killing that vampire of self-doubt basically it, that song makes me feel so good every time i same, sing, same. It, listen to it it's so beautiful yeah yeah so those are my three gateway songs i actually think that they are all incredible songs about theatre generally that I think they're also gateway songs to this show. They are because I've got a lot of other – like I love a lot of other songs but yeah. they would not make sense if you just jumped on that's, in there. That's very true, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's the thing and a lot of the songs are so specifically about like like Broadway flops and yeah. like or things like, being like this. Yeah, like a musical theatre festival. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, very yeah. specific. And there's some really silly stuff in there. You know, I do like, love secondary characters. Yeah, same, That's same. very, fun. very and, funny. And part of it all I have a real soft spot for as well. Yeah. Um. So in terms of recordings, there's just that original cast recording. So that – um, was the one that lead that they did just after the off-Broadway run. Yeah. So um, once it was on Broadway, so there is – if you license the show now, there's sort of stuff that you do that isn't, isn't, on, isn't that on that recording. recording. Yeah. Um, it's mostly the script that changes, not the songs. Um, basically the songs are the same. But, yeah, they then talk about like going to Broadway and there's like – seen like an awkward photo shoot that they yeah. do where it's like there's tension between them and they actually talk a lot in the script about for example like profit sharing like that we've talked about before like they they had a lot of the stuff that was about going to Broadway and the commercial aspect of it and that's all in the script too yes. like should they all share in that that's great and yeah it's really it's a super sort of unique and refreshing show that just is unlike anything else I think that exists yeah Absolutely. Considering yeah. its age now, nothing's nothing's like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What about do you like the last? Yeah, you know, the last um, number on the cast recording, yeah, like the hidden track. Yeah, the hidden track. Yeah, I love the hidden yeah, track. Yeah, it's great. It's very good. Yeah, um, that was a good one, really. Yes, yeah, so that's title of show. Oh. Yeah, I really hope someone didn't know title of show and falls in love with it oh, now. If you, but honestly, if you're sitting there like, oh, I don't think I like it, please just listen. Yeah, you start will with love those it. three songs. It's so good. Yeah, it's, if you love theatre. And yeah. clearly you do. <laughs> if you're listening to just this. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that style of show. Nice. It's a, and, you know, the funny thing is, like, I remember hearing them talk about when they were licensing it mm. and even just the idea of having understudies, right? And they realised that, like, even so many people who saw them on Broadway didn't know it was those four performers doing yeah. it. Like, like, it's still a great show separate to those four performers. Yeah, see, I, at first, when I realised it was being licensed elsewhere, I was like, oh, no, I don't like that because the original, like, the people play yeah. themselves. But I, since I've seen it now, yeah. I've been done by other people. I saw people. our friend it's Steve in it Totally works. Oh, Steve would have been great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's yeah. great. It's a, it's an excellent show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Excellent. Hey, well, um, is this, that enough? Yeah. Um, this has been my favorite musical. Like, there's a mixtape coming this week. Yeah, there'll be a mixtape on Thursday. Download that. 
Yep, we are working on the Apple Music thing. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't it know. It confuses me. Look, maybe it won't happen. <laughs> we'll keep you updated. That could be our apology I'll let next you know. week. I'll let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> we'll call you. But yeah. um, and, um, like, share. Definitely subscribe if you haven't and rate us. If you can give us a rate and review on iTunes, that really helps. Yeah, make and it a five-star. If you know someone that you think will enjoy the podcast, please tell them about it. That's Force the, it on them. Don't yeah. just tell them politely. Yeah, just like make them listen. Yeah. Like on a road trip maybe. <gasps> trap them in a car. Yeah, Although make them where, listen Where to are you us. going on a road trip? It's true. Please don't travel anywhere right now. Go I, wear a mask. I'm, I'm talking to the people a year from now that are seeing shows oh, yeah. every night. That's right, guys. Yeah. They're loving it. Coming to you from the past. <laughs> the sad past. <laughs> <laughs> Your hair's much different now. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> All right, that's enough from us. See you next week. Bye. Bye.